0: I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis continuity and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Today, our episode title is, Is Your Inclusive Messaging Backed Up by Inclusive Practices? question mark. <laughs> Our guest name is Crystal Whitaker. She is the inclusive branding consultant for Crystal Lily Creative. And so before I introduce Crystal, let me go back. So in 2019, I created a blog post and I recorded a video sharing my thoughts on the gun control debate. And specifically, I touched on how a lot of companies were putting out pro-gun control messaging but then when they were lending money to major bank distributors or doing business with those different organizations, it looked a little bit different. And so we're not necessarily going to focus on this specific issue in today's podcast, but I really want to dive into this idea of an organization's message not matching with their practices. In other words, does our audio match our video? As an inclusive brand consultant, Crystal Whitaker from Crystal Lily Creative. Will help equip brands with the tools to build relationships that not only grow their businesses but support equity and change in their communities. Hey, Crystal.
2: Hello, Vanessa.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming.
2: Thank you for the invitation. I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation with you.
1: <laughs> awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and specifically your work as an inclusive brand consultant?
2: Oh my gosh, I'll keep it short and sweeter. We'll be here all day. <laughs> So um, I work as an inclusive branding and leadership development. I do a lot of leadership development work these days. Um, and I actually, I have a corporate background, of course. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs do. Um, I spent over a decade in corporate. I've been in nonprofit organizations. I've worked for attorneys and education. I've been in the educate, private education space. And the last corporate role that I held was as an executive, executive recruiter, high-level C-suite director and above recruiting. And I learned so much. It was really a lot like getting paid to get an MBA. That's what I tell people. And I also just got really burned out from corporate wanted to be creative and I actually started a photography business. I did not come into this inclusive branding space first. I created a photography business. I wanted to have that creative outlet and I built a really inclusive photography brand Mm -hmm. and other entrepreneurs, other photographers started asking me questions around how I was able to do it. And then it just became this ripple effect, you know, people in their networks and it expanded beyond photographers to other people in the event industry. And then other creatives, other coaches and consultants. And I realized that there was not a lot of support specifically for entrepreneurs in how they could build genuinely inclusive brands themselves. There's a lot of support for the corporate world, but I saw this, this niche and this need, and that's what I really built my business on. I, it was a very natural trajectory for me and It feels like the most aligned space I've ever been in just because of my work experience, my personal lived experience and just being able to bring it all together. Everything that I learned in corporate, everything that I did as a creative and pouring into other people who care about human-focused business.
1: Mm, Human-focused business, that right there. That should be the title of the podcast episode, but okay, (laughs) So <laughs> since 2020, there's been a, so first of all, thank you for sharing your uh, background and I appreciate your expertise in photography as well, because I also, um, imagery, uh, being intentional about the imagery, all those things matter and it really ties mm-hmm. together. So I can see how there's just like this synergy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so since 2020, there's been a surge in organizations taking a public stance on social justice Issues, but not all of them are building the systems to support DE&I from within. Um, and so, where do you see that companies are missing the mark in this regard?
2: Oh, huh. Uh, the number one thing that I see is companies creating statements where they're, you know, they're putting up these inclusive statements on their website but the practices behind the scenes don't really match the statements uh which we all it's it's performative and another thing that is not only frustrating to me being in this the line of work that i'm in but also people within those organizations uh companies wanting to not even wanting companies putting the labor onto people who identify as a part of a marginalized group. So rather than actually investing in building out a DEI department or bringing in a DEI consultant, they're like, okay, here's the statement. And, oh, let's, let's, let's talk to the black and brown employees and the disabled employees and the LGBTQ plus employees and ask them what they want. That's not their job. That's not what they were hired to do. And it's not okay. If you genuinely care about this work, then you need to invest in the work and have it be a dedicated investment.
1: So I wish we had more time. So can we talk about that for a second? Because I meet a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and um, specifically Caucasian males and Caucasian women who believe that, or who may think, well, I don't want to be offensive. I don't know what to say and i just feel like you know i should just not say anything and let you you figure it out and i'm just like there's just this this disconnect what i would like your help with if you could is 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 to help me understand why why they don't see the disconnect <laughs> uh, that
2: i honestly still struggle with that so what i will tell you is what i tell the white people that are in those Positions where they're like, I don't know what to do. I always tell them before you go to a person who has a marginalized identity to ask them what they should be doing, there are so many resources available literally at our fingertips now with the amount of information that's out in the world. If you have a question about something, go find the information related to that question uh you know there's there's people like myself who share a lot of things on social media instagram linkedin uh you can google a lot of information and gather as much as you can and then once you have done your own homework then go to those people that you have questions for or about and say hey i've been learning about xyz and this is what i have come up with I want to make sure that I am honoring you and your experience and the experiences of the people that you are connected to that are part of your community. Is this okay? Is this accurate? Don't just go to people without even trying to do your own research first. It was the trying for me.
1: <laughs> oh, I got to work on that. <laughs> oh god. Um so When we see companies rushing out to put out a statement about a public event like a school shooting or police brutality, is the right move to post immediately, or are there extra steps that an organization should be taking before they put something out there? That's a
2: spectrum. From my perspective, and other people may have a different perspective, uh, I think that it depends on where you are as an organization in your DEI journey. If if you have never really invested in the work um, or you've never really spoken out uh, about social justice issues and something happens, I think that there is a lot of value in doing what I what I tell my clients to do is just take a pause and examine what it is that is happening. What do you want to say? Why do you want to say something? What is the motivation behind it? is it just because you want to get on the bandwagon you don't want you don't want to be perceived as you know not caring or not being relevant Th- those are not great motivations but if you're in a space in your journey where you have been actively learning and you have been engaging with uh, people who educate in these spaces and also people who live these experiences then if you're going to share something How is it in alignment and connected to your overall mission and your values? Because that's a big part of the work that I do with my clients is like, okay, you want to incorporate all of these inclusive practices in the messaging. You need to make sure that it is
1: connected to your values so that it is always clear. Yep, absolutely. So a challenge to building an inclusive company can be the unconscious biases, because then they won't be able to see the things that you just kind of laid out for us that people should be paying attention to. And then the lack of diversity among company stakeholders, including employees, customers, as well as the vendor base. So should companies be responsible for addressing these biases and educating their stakeholders, like the vendors and the suppliers and the employees, or is it just they're not responsible for that, and and they just take on a life of its own. Like where where is the happy medium, or or what's appropriate? Wow, that's a loaded question.
2: <laughs> um, i I think that companies have a certain responsibility to an extent. So if they are if they are invested in the well being of humans from various diverse groups then they should be sharing with their stakeholders what their commitment is Mm -hmm. and as a part of that commitment there should be an expectation that their stakeholders are also on board and willing to honor those commitments as well so uh on the flip side of that i also think that there should be co-creation and collaboration around that amongst the organization and its stakeholders
1: yep Yep. It's inclusive. (laughs) (laughs) What a novel (laughs) song. We got a theme. All right. So what are all the different forms of messaging that organizations should be considering if they're trying to build an inclusive brand? And why we're asking this, right, is there's the practitioners who might be listening to this, maybe a mid-level or an entry level, and they may not have a lot of influence, right? But they notice we're not diverse, we're not doing the right things, we're not bringing in different groups of people, we're not receptive to it, but we, we've got to do something different. They also are sitting in rooms and they're hearing leadership team members say things and then they see them do things that are different, that are inconsistent with the messaging. And so it's, it's really important what you're going to be able to share with us in terms of the different forms of messaging that businesses should be considering um, when trying to build an inclusive brand.
2: Oh gosh. Okay. I will go as quick as as, as I can through this. (laughs) So there you have your visual messaging, you have your written messaging, you have your verbal or your verbal messaging, and then there's behavioral messaging as well. So what is happening Uh, If if you're thinking about written, I think that's pretty obvious, making sure that you're using inclusive language, not, um, you know, just going straight to gendered language and assuming things uh, and also being mindful about how you're communicating. So even in the digital space with with messaging in general, you also have to think about people with disabilities is your website set up for people with disabilities? Um, are if even even podcast hosts, for example, people with disabilities, are you providing a space for people to access transcripts, things of that nature? Um, and then with your visual, I think that's I mean that's a pretty self explanatory one. Are are your visuals inclusive and representative of you know all different lived experiences? And the visuals that you put out for your organization also need to match. What your organization is actually doing. You can't put up an inclusive marketing campaign with a a a range of different humans from different backgrounds and then have, you know, a predominantly white organization. And from a behavior perspective, similar to, to your point, they're saying things in a boardroom that doesn't align with the messaging. that's a huge disconnect, which is why I focus so heavily on values and making sure that the values of an organization can be connected in some way to the values of not only leaders, but employees as well. What, what are everybody's values? Even if they're different, how are they connected? How can they be aligned and making sure that people are on board with that?
1: Mm, Crystal. Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes, <laughs> I have hey. so
1: I have so much more I could say. <laughs> I love it, but there's four pieces of messaging. It's visual, it's mm-hmm. behavioral, mm-hmm. written. Mm-hmm. It's the fourth one. What did I
2: say? Visual, behavioral, written, verbal. Verbal. Oh, and I mean, I, digital, digital kind of falls under your written, but digital yes. could
1: be its own thing too. I love it. So if I were listening to this, I would be like, hey, BCP director, call Crystal. So with that, Crystal, what's the best way to get in contact with you?
2: <laughs> best way to get in contact with me? Uh, you can contact me through my website, crystallily.co, which is C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-L-I-L-Y.co. Or you can email us directly at belong at crystallily.co
0: awesome thank you for listening to the business resilience decoded podcast brought to you by espalas advisors and disaster recovery journal make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events programs and ways we can support you make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast leave us a review and share it with a friend thanks again and i'll talk to you in the next episode